Welcome to the Highland Southern Baptist Podcast. Each week, Keith Perrin will deliver a Holy Spirit-inspired message. If you have a Bible, you can read along with us. Our mission is to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ from Hillsboro, Missouri to the rest of the world. Now, here's Pastor Keith. You would get your Bibles open over two places. The first place is Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Second place, and you can just put something in there or just hold your finger in this second place. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. I'm going to tell you what the divorce rate in the United States is uh, right now. Surprisingly, over the last couple of years, the divorce rate has dropped. But then I'm going to give you an explanation that will actually remo- remove the encouragement of the fact that the divorce rate uh, has dropped. So the encouragement, the encouragement is that the divorce rate in the United States, as it stands right now, is 43%. 43% of every couple married this year will um, eventually divorce, 43%. Not quite 50%, right? Encouraging? Here's the bad news. 36% of individuals are not getting married. They are having, they are having what they call um, in-home unions. No, no uh, marriage license. No... And 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 I'm, I was shocked at the amount of information that's actually been published about this. Um, and there are people that are actually saying that the men are smart for actually entering into unions because they know that based on the statistic that there's a 50% chance that they lose half of everything. That it also prevents them from accepting full responsibility for any children that they may have, which we're going to touch on that just a little bit as well. Just a guess. Guess who in all of the world the country is that has the most single parent families? The United States. 34% of the families in the United States are single parent families. 12.5 million children, according to the 2020 census, 12.5 million children are being raised without the full-time influence of a father. That is one in every six kids that you come across. One in every six kids in the United States will be raised without a full-time influence from a parent, from a father. Our culture, in the 1960s, it was something people didn't talk about. It was something that people were ashamed of. It was something that individuals did not glorify. But guess what March 21st, 2020, 2021 was? National Single Parent Day. Not only is it glorified, it's celebrated. And I see individuals on all these social media sites yesterday, guys were posting things. I just can't wait to see all the single moms wishing each other a happy Father's Day tomorrow. 
the truth of the matter is, a single mom can't be a father. It's impossible. It's not. It's not that. It's not that you are inept or unwilling. It's that God didn't create you to be a father. The fatherly characteristics were not given to a mother. A mother was created to be a mother, and a father was created to be a father. We're pulling away from this idea that it takes two, a mother and a father, for children to grow with a well-rounded influence. Now, I'm going to say this before we get into the Bible. I realize that single parents is a reality. This message under no circumstances is to criticize people who are in single parent homes, single parent situations. My hope is that we will shine a little bit of a light on what our culture has done through the influences of Satan and who is chiefly responsible for this. By no means am I saying that women have no responsibility in this. Women certainly have responsibility in this. But the chief responsibility falls on the man. Because God called us to be the spiritual leaders in our household. And I can tell you this. A kingdom man, to be a kingdom man, is every man's destiny and is every woman's dream. Did you get that? To be a kingdom man is every man's destiny. It's what God intends for us. And it is every woman's dream. Every woman, when, they're, when, when, when people are young, and that's not just women, when individuals are young, they got that wild streak in them. When a woman looks to settle down, she wants a man who's going to treat her the way that Jesus asked him to. She wants a man that's going to love the way that Jesus asked him to. She wants a man that's going to respect the way that Jesus asked him to. Where did men fall apart in this? I'm going to say this cautiously, but I want you to hear me. Men, we have allowed the culture to turn Christianity into a game. D.L. Moody said, if I want to know if a man's a Christian, I won't ask his minister. I'll ask his wife. The kind of husbands that we are, the kind of fathers that we are, should be the kind of husbands and fathers who, who have a desire to be modeled out of the scriptures. Our Christianity will have everything in the world to do with the influence of God on our families because God created us to be the head of the household. I'm going to say this. I've said this to, to women because it's, it's a very contentious conversation to have when we start talking about the roles of men and women in family. And I'll preface this by saying, in God's eyes, men and women are co-equal. Co-equal. In the structure of the institution of family, God has made the man 
the head of the household. Scripture is very clear on this. That doesn't take anything away from the women. What it should do for us men is help us to realize that one day we will stand before God and give an account of the kind of spiritual leaders that we were in our lifetime to both our spouse and our children and our grandchildren. And I'm going to take it farther than that. And every child that God has placed in our care. We had a young man that was with us at camp this year. And I knew, I could tell, didn't take me long to figure out that this young man, he's facing some struggles in life. We found out by the end of the week that he had even pondered the idea of suicide. Even asked Carrie the question, if I commit suicide, will I still go to heaven? That was early in the week. And the amazing thing was, just in a matter of days, the turn that this kid's heart took when he placed his trust in Jesus and just had the influence of individuals taking him to worship service and taking him to Bible study classes and sitting with him at cabin devotion time and spending time just showing Jesus to him. And Thursday and Friday, this kid was not the same kid that showed up at camp on Monday. Was not the same kid. Of course, my fear is, a student leaves the Bates Creek bubble. They go right back into the atmosphere that they came out of. And I ain't saying that it's his parents. I ain't saying that it's who knows where this influence is coming from. Most of this stuff, we know that we don't battle against flesh and blood. We know that the, that the one we're battling against is Satan himself. And our culture has turned cruel when it comes to kids. And kids dealing with, kids dealing with their the family issues... And with the influences that are upon them now, kids need Jesus. And you know who God called us to be, men? He called us to be the Jesus influence in every one of their lives. In our spouse's life, in our kids' lives. The Jesus influence. Requires a couple of things. One, that strong connection with God that balances commitments and nurturing for being the wisest and most respected man in his family has ever known. You say, well, that was a mouthful. If your kids believe that you are the wisest man that they've ever known, who are they going to go to for advice? And if the connection is a relationship, the relationship is what opens the door for those conversations to happen. Because the fact is, who's teaching our kids these days? Public schools? Not every public school is bad, but every public school has some teachers in it that are not good influences. You praise your teacher who's a, who's a good influence because they're far and few between anymore. The relationship that we build with children as well as 
the wisdom that we put forth to them will have everything in the world to do with how they grow up. We're busy. In many cases, we men are way too busy. We're too busy to really pay attention to what's going on in our wives' lives, and we're way too busy to pay attention to what's going on in our kids' lives. For us men, we have to be proactive. We have to be individuals who are connected enough to our spouses and our kids to be able to see the potential challenges that could cause those pressures within those relationships. Stay connected enough. Single family households, guess what happens? Mom's got to work, right? Who's raising kids? Daycare? The neighbor? In everything, and you've heard me say this in Christianity, God has just asked us to slow down and pay attention. Pay attention to what's going on around us. Pay attention. God gets all of the glory for anything that I feel, and you know how careful I am about saying that. On Monday, when that young man sat down in that pew, I knew there was something going on with him. I mean, we had to pack all their stuff to make sure they had everything that they needed. We had to get them to camp. We had to get them unpacked. We had to get them registered. We had to have all of this done in the matter of about an hour, hour and 15 minutes. A lot going on. What happens if we're so busy that we can't pay attention and stay connected? When I was a teenager, 26% of the students my age were confronted with sexual opportunities by the time they were 16 years old. You want to hear the new one? Now, 73% of all students are offered a sexual relationship by the age of 12. We had one parent when I was growing up. This girl was a friend of mine. She was not that good of a friend of mine. I cared about her. I mean, we were just friends. Inside the front door of their house, there was a buffet against the wall. On that buffet, there was a wooden box. Inside that wooden box were condoms. This mom, single mom's mentality was, my kid's probably going to do it anyway. So I might as well provide everything that I can to make sure she's going to be safe.
<clears throat> Told myself I wasn't going to cry today. <laughs> but I'll tell you something. We live in a messed up world. Messed up. God gave us a model. It's the way that it works. Three institutions created. God created government. God created the church. And God created family. Which one of those three have we not completely messed up? The church in this country isn't the church anymore. It's very far and few between. The number of people who accept the Bible, the number of churches that accept the Bible as it is printed, are low, and it's dwindling. Government? The 1950s, people were putting out videos talking about our government would eventually become so corrupt that it would become no big deal to us. Were there yet? Family. I just gave you some, some statistics. Things that were eye-opening to me. The parameters that God has laid down for each of these institutions, our culture has cast aside. We are beginning to feel the consequences of the culture casting aside the model that God put forth. Do you guys ever have your kids get a little bit too big for their britches? And they told you that they wasn't going to do something that you said as a rule? And what do most of us parents say? My house, my rules. Right? My house, my rules. God's the one that has the right to set those parameters. God's the one who has the right to set the parameters on the relationships, and he has been very clear with where those parameters reside. In Ephesians chapter 5, starting with verse 22, he says, Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the Savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. I want to explain something to you, women. God made it this way. Every man in the relationship will stand before God, give an account for their decisions. They'll give an account for the way that they led their families. I'll say again, as I've said many times before, any man who totally disregards his wife's advice in the choices, the decisions that he makes, any man who willfully just disregards his wife's advice is a fool. But the men are responsible to ultimately make those choices. He's going to suffer the consequences. He's going to stand before God. He's going to get the praise for things that were good. He's going to get the tongue lashing from Jesus for the things that were not. 
So I want to ask you this question right now. Women, how easy is this to do? Glad you asked because I have an answer to that question. Men, we love to blame Eve for eating that apple, don't we? Who did God hold the most responsible? You can look this up. I've had people argue this with me, and I'm telling you, I have studied this deeply in the Hebrew. Did you know that one of our punishments, men, for eating of that apple was that the wife's desire, this is the way that the Bible reads it, the wife's desire will be for her husband. You look that up in the Hebrew, you know what it means? One of our punishments was that the wife's desire will always be to have the control, the authority that the husband has. So the next time you get frustrated at your wife because she's being difficult, I just want you to go look in the mirror and say it's my fault. It's not an easy thing to do for wives to submit to their husbands. Doesn't mean slave, doesn't mean servant. It really just means that God created man to be the one who's responsible. And men, I have this question for you. <clears throat> How often do you go to your kids' bed at night and pray with them? How often do you take the time to sit down and study something with them? Because if you look back in Deuteronomy chapter 6, <clears throat> flip back there real quick. Deuteronomy chapter 6, start with verse 4. He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all of your might. Verse 6. And these words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your sons, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the, by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. And you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. And you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. How much are we supposed to be exposing our children to the word of God? You know what the frontals are? It's like a headband. This evolved later from this point into phylacteries, which was what they, they, it talks about in the New Testament. The Pharisees wore on their foreheads. They broadened them. This is talking about us being individuals. Those rules are written on our hands. What do we do with our hands? We work. We discipline. They're supposed to be written on our forehead. Do we leave them home when we leave? How do those go with us? They're supposed to be on our gate. Why? It's not just for the kids, but it's also to remind us. 
on the doorposts. It doesn't matter what room you go into. We should constantly be reminded of God's word and the command to instill that word in the lives of children. Does it give us any space for a break? When you're awake, when you're asleep, when you're eating, when you're doing everything, we should be dumping the word of God into our kids. This doesn't mean beating it into them. But ever since a child is little bitty, they always want to be like their daddy. What does that mean in this day and age? When half of the daddies in this country stink at the job. You think that I might have something to do with the kind of kids we're raising up today? I'm not bad bouncing your dad. You may have grew up in a single family household and your dad stayed involved and he stayed an influence in your life and those dads deserve praise for continuing to be that to their kids. But I'm telling you now, in all the research I've done in the last three weeks, those those dads, they're very, very, very far and few between. Verse 25 says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present himself, present himself to the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and blameless. Ephesians chapter 5. Deuteronomy chapter 6. These two passages of scriptures are merging right here in the New Testament. Not only is it something that we husbands are supposed to be doing to our children, but it's also something we're supposed to be doing to our wives, washing them in the word so that she may be sanctified. No man on the planet is perfect at this. Every man in this place has room for improvement. The fact is we should never be people who stop trying to improve it. One of the most troubling statistics that I came across. In 1960, the divorce rate was 20%. 2020, it's just under 50%. You know what the divorce rate is among children who were raised in single-family households? 85%. Makes perfect sense, doesn't it? There's always a few that says, I don't want my life to turn out, I don't want my kid's life to turn out like mine did. The fact is, habits are caught and not taught. If we don't treat our wives like princes, our kids won't treat theirs like one either. If our kids are raised not seeing us sanctify our wives through the washing of the word, chances are our kids won't grow up 
sanctifying their wives in the washing of the word. See, man, this preacher just went through just, just about this whole message. Didn't even mention Jesus one time. Yeah, I did. Jesus is all over this message. Because the fact is, before I'd come to know Jesus, my life was a mess. And Jesus straightened it up. That wasn't things that applied to me. So if I was following the same thought process, then my relationship with my spouse or my kids is messed up. Who has the power to fix it? Men, I've had some women who did not like the idea of me saying this. At least at first. Until the men who heard it, took it to heart, started living it out. Many years later, those women have called me, sent me letters, and thanked me. truth is, men, we're only going to put out in an effort to influence our kids, our grandkids, and our spouses what we take in. If Jesus is not, first and foremost, the pinnacle of your pyramid, above your wife, above your kids, above your grandkids, They will never be washed with Jesus' influence. Men, we've got to love Jesus more than we love anyone else or anything else on this planet. Because I've even seen through this some areas of my own life. My relationship's great with Jesus. There have been some select areas in my relationship with my wife, with my kids. There have been some select areas that, doggone it, I'm right. Get what I'm saying? It wasn't so much that Jesus was right. I'm right. And even in the areas where me being right and what Jesus said should happen were in conflict with each other, I still had the gall to say I was right. It's human. It's who we are. So just like in that passage of Scripture in Deuteronomy, Jesus Christ quoted it in the New Testament. Love the Lord your God with the song. Love the Lord your God so much that you will donate him two hours on Sunday morning. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and all of your strength. Do you want to see a dent knocked in the divorce rate? A dent knocked in the single parent rate? It only happens one way. And that is 
not us being a part of him, but Jesus being all of us. So where is he? Where is he? I get it. I went through the phase where it's uncomfortable. It feels weird. You ever prayed with your spouse? It's uncomfortable. It's one of the most oddly uncomfortable feelings I've ever had in my life was to pray with my, with my spouse. It was oddly uncomfortable for me to go in to my kids' beds when they were a little bitty and to kneel down and say, we're going to pray. It was oddly uncomfortable because it seemed weird. It's not easy. And I believe this wholeheartedly, folks. The reason it's not easy is because Satan, who has controlled the family atmosphere for a long time in this country, he appeals to the fallen nature of us and wants us to feel uncomfortable. Because as long as we're uncomfortable enough, we won't pray with our kids. We won't do Bible studies with them. We won't even pay that close of attention to them. Looking over this stuff this week, 150 kids at camp this last week. And I looked around and I wondered, because I've been in this way too long to know better, how many of these kids are at camp this week? Because their parents just want to get rid of them. I mean, in the end, I'm fine with that. We get to expose them to Jesus and a lot of him. But then the problem I spoke of earlier comes back around where they have to leave camp and go right back into the same circumstance that they left. Dads? Husbands, what are you doing for the spiritual health of your family? Praying with them? Paying attention? Rather than yell at them, are you showing them God's way? We've got to have a whole lot more of this. Because our country is direly in need of it. If you're here today, you've never placed your trust in Jesus Christ, your personal Lord and Savior. You want to make that decision public, <clears throat> you're welcome to come up here to me if you like or hang around afterward. I'll talk to you, um, and we will uh, we'll talk about getting that done. If you're here today and you are a father or a mother, you've looked at the model of the Scriptures. You see what the Scripture intends. But things in the world just kind of drifted us away from that model. Don't beat yourself up. You're a human being. This may even be something that you never really did think of taking that step in your life as far as being that type of an influence. My prayer is that when you leave this place today, no matter how weird it feels, that you'll begin to take some of these things and implement them into your family's relationship, your relationship with your spouse, your relationship with your kids. Because if I could say the one strongest thing that I got out of the research from doing this sermon series, man, my heart's broken.
Thank you for joining us today. If you have questions about becoming a Christian, prayer requests, or just want to say hello, you can reach us at facebook.com forward slash Highland Southern BC. We hope that this message was encouraging to all of our listeners. Have a blessed week.